Hello, and welcome to the Peregrine Podcast. I am one of the co-hosts here, John McCord, with Nori Mueller. Hello, hello. And actually today, one of our Peregrine students, uh, Mrs. Catherine Hatton. I'm so glad to be here. I, 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 I'm glad you're here. A little background of this episode, Catherine, feel free to correct this story <laughs> if I mess it up at all, but she reached out to me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I'd like to give a talk at community training. And kind of the topic of it was... So in eighth grade, I was thinking about leaving Veritas for high school. And I had a bunch of questions of why I wanted to leave Veritas for high school. And now that I'm a junior, I've seen the Lord faithfully answer some of those questions. So I just wanted to share that with parents and kids thinking about high school at Veritas. Very cool. And if a student wants to talk about those kind of things... Uh, you too can get an episode on the podcast. If <laughs> Just you- I don't know. Like, are we setting a precedent here? Uh, <laughs> I think everything we do technically sets a precedent at this true. point in the podcast. Yeah. So uh, I'm fine with that. So so before Catherine, I, I really I, we have not screened her. We do not know what she's going to say. If it's too offensive, we'll just delete the whole episode. That's great. It's, yeah, it's game over. But um, I, I was thinking, not knowing what you were going to say, I was thinking it would be helpful or could be helpful to just kind of set up the audience a little bit. If they don't know you, yeah. uh, don't know maybe who you were or what you were feeling, I remember from my perspective, I remember having a conversation. I don't know if you know this, by the way, but that summer coming into your freshman year, I, your mom, I can't remember if we if we talked on the phone or if she emailed or something, but she said basically like, Catherine's really nervous about her freshman year. and And so I was just thinking about maybe you know, if you would tell us kind of how that felt to you. And then maybe in, in particular, like, how did you feel if you remember going into like reading the Odyssey and the Aeneid and Latin and all that stuff in high school? So just kind of yeah. set the scene for us, eighth grade into ninth grade, Catherine. So I've been a Veritas since third grade. Um, I was in public school for the first two years and then came here third grade. So about eighth grade, which was also COVID year, which mm. played into a lot of that, I had made three very close friends in middle school and they all told me within about the span of a month they were leaving Veritas for high school and I was like okay it felt clear that I was supposed to be best friends with these people for the rest of my life and they're all gone and same high school no they all went to three different high schools Uh, all over Greenville and I was like okay that must be my sign I'm not supposed to be here anymore this is when I'm supposed to leave and it's COVID so who knows what next year is going to look like I might as well go somewhere else and I had a very clear school in mind, and it was lottery-based, and I got put on the very last line of the lottery. And there was 150 people would have to say no for me to have any chance of going. <laughs> and I was like, I thought I was supposed to go there too, and I'm clearly not. And so I ended up staying at Veritas, clearly. And I think the scariest thing for me was the small class size and not having a lot of people in high school. I specifically remember saying, I really want a prom picture to show my kids one day, and I'm not going to have that at Veritas, which is something so little, but as an eighth grader, that was very important to me. And so I think that's also the biggest blessing, is having a small class size and have getting to know my teachers. And I'm now in a class of six people. We were at one time the biggest class of Veritas, which is crazy. We're the second smallest now. And they're like my siblings. We fight like siblings. We also treat each other and love each other like siblings. And getting to know the staff on a really personal level has been amazing. And knowing they care for me and they know what type of student I am. 
and how I learn and what's best for me has been so amazing. I remember the beginning of this year, I was deciding if I should take AP history or not. And so Mr. Bloom and I had a meeting and he said, Catherine, I know this is the type of student you are, so you shouldn't take AP. And at that, he probably doesn't remember that, but that's been so special to me because he could say, I've watched you learn. I know what type of student you are and this is what's best for you. And to feel cared for by the staff has been probably the biggest blessing being here for high school. Hmm. So it sounds like you were really concerned about relationships. Yeah, the social aspect. Right. And going to a big high school was going to give you the opportunity mm -hmm. to have lots yeah. and lots of friends. And so con like that's really contrasted now. And now that you've had years behind you, you can see that like, I mean, do you think had you gone to a public high school that you would have had the depth of a relationship? I don't think so. Okay. I think also with planning events like the prom situation, mm -hmm. I now at Veritas can't walk in an event and sit on my phone and not be present and then walk out of an event because there's probably going to be 10 people there and they're going to notice when I walk in and they're going to notice if I don't say anything. And so having intentionality with planning things and with going to events has also been really special. Yeah. What, um, for you, like you brought up prom, um, like has that, or do you feel like that is something that you can legitimately like, oh man, I wish I, I had a prom photo, uh, or has that perspective changed or what have been those things not to be like, you know, negative, but what are those things you're like, man, if, if in my perfect world, you know, mm -hmm. the world according to Catherine, these things would have happened. Um, and so I can mourn those things or I can't, you know, mm -hmm. miss those yeah. things, right? I think prom is one of those things, having Friday night football games, mm -hmm. just the typical high school events that you would say, yeah, I did those every week with my friends and we don't necessarily have that. Um, but I think it also can outweigh it in some ways. And like I can go to a dance at a different school. I've done that a couple of times and mm -hmm. I can mm -hmm. say, okay, I can still live through this. I'm still friends with the people who I was friends with in middle school and who left. And so... I think that's been cool. That it has been funny to me just as a coach, like in basketball season in particular, I feel like every game there are a handful of like former students yeah. who are mm -hmm. who are there in the crowd and I don't know. I grew up in like a really small most most of my life. I grew up in a really small town where there really wasn't an option of like a school A B C D E F, you know. And so it's weird. It's been weird to me to be like, oh. They're here at our basketball mm -hmm. game, which is great. Like, I'm not saying don't come to our basketball <laughs> games. But, but anyway, that's just been, um, I don't know, it's been this sweet thing that, that people, that we don't have a football team, but, like, they've actually shown to our basketball games, including, I think, some of the friends that you're yep. alluding to. Yeah. Um, so is that, I don't know, it's, it's almost almost like the inverse of like mm -hmm. them coming back here. So to speak. Yeah, it's not like choosing to stay at Veritas for high school, cut off all social connections, and True. I'm like, all right, that's it. But I've still been able to keep up with them and – build like if we want a dance and we had one freshman year we were like all right let's plan it and this is what we're gonna do and so yeah we did we were out <laughs> out at the fox house swing dancing swing uh, uh, uh line dancing line dancing line you're dancing. right yeah yeah swing dancing that's another kind of fun <laughs> yes that is that is true so what for you have been the things that you've or you know some of the things that you've maybe appreciated in retrospect that maybe you couldn't foresee like some of the goods that yeah you, you got i think Definitely the biggest would be the people in my class. Someone told my mom once, they were like, well, Catherine and this person seem like they're best friends, and they've always been that way, and my child is not going to have that best friend at Veritas. And my mom said she was not friends with her at all in middle school. And I, I can fully attest to that. I didn't hate them. We just weren't best friends in middle school. Mm -hmm. And now we're literally like sisters, and we go on trips together. 
and we do all this and that's because I don't think we would have chosen to be friends but because that we're all here in Veritas High School we are now friends and we're so close and so that's been really special. Another unexpected blessing was having the home day model on Wednesdays. Fridays I'm here half the day and then we'll go out and study as a class so it's less of a home day. But on Wednesdays, I can sleep in if I want to. For the past like six months, I've worked Wednesday mornings and having that flexibility and the ability to see my siblings before I go to college next year has been really special and to help them review their Latin flashcards from the little Latin I remember. Oh, Zane, <laughs> Zane. ouch. And see them and like eat lunch with them has been really special. And I was like, as a high school, I need to go five days a week because that's how I'm going to build memories and that's how I'm going to have fun. And so I really like having Wednesdays at home. I love that. I do think the sibling piece is huge. I did not get to see my siblings and we were close, but like, I don't remember seeing them much during like the school calendar year, just because it's, if you go to public school, it's school all day, practice afterward forever, like mm-hmm. go home, you got to study, do your homework. Like, yeah. It was just a big difference. Um, yeah, that's really special. And you have a lot of siblings lot for of those siblings. who don't know. Yeah, I'm the listening. oldest of six. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, what about getting to see your parents and in, in your relationship with them because of the university model and them being co-teachers? Like, how do you feel like that shaped your relationship with them? I love that they interact with me. They're not teaching me like they were in third grade, mm-hmm. but I feel like most nights I'll say, hey, can you help me study these flashcards? Or... I'm writing a paper on what it means to be a Christian in America. What's your opinion on it? And just starting discussions, and then I can include that in my paper. And if not, it's still just a valuable conversation that I have with them because of my classwork. And they're, it's not like checking in like how my mom does with the younger three, but she'll say, hey, like, what's your history paper about this week? What are you reading in literature? Can I read that book? It sounds good. And things like that have been really special and having the home day thing to see mm-hmm. them. Yeah, and I think they've... The relationship with your teachers, like you mentioned, is just completely different than my high school experience. And even having a teacher who would say, you don't need to take this AP class. I mean, I took three APs at one time, and it was terrible. It was not any good. Like, I, I should have just taken probably one of those, but it was the opposite. It was like, no, do this, do this, do this. You should, you should be in this. And then it was almost like a waste of, it wasn't a good it wasn't good stewardship of my time. Like it would have been better just to do one well than three mm-hmm. and kind of not pass any of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, I mean, I passed the class, but I mean the <laughs> test because the point is like you get college yeah. credit. So yeah. Um, anyway, I think that's really neat that you get to have that with your teachers here and that you get to really know them. Um, yeah. Have you gotten to know your teachers? Do you feel like in a way outside of the classroom? at Veritas just because of the smallness of the school and that you might see them during lunch or during in a club maybe you do yearbook yeah anything like that I've probably known Mr. McCord the best because he's taught me literally since third grade this year's the first year we haven't had you what yeah true Um, oh my goodness and barbecue club that's a different side that I love just seeing you like at your house and we're serving people food has been really cool because I don't think I think in my old school, I would have been scared to say, oh, my, like, my teacher's not going to let me see them at home, and that's been cool. Um, I think, yeah, doing yearbook this year, I have a different, Miss Haynes is our leader, and so she's never taught me before, but I love getting to know her, and now, like, this morning, she waved at me in the parking lot, and that's something little, but I was like, she knows who I am, mm. um, and she doesn't even teach me, and cool. so that's been cool. I love it. I'll say one of the things from the teacher perspective, I, 
I grew up in a combination of like small public schools in like rural Texas and then massive public school um, in Chicago. And so I kind of got to experience, you know, different, you know, different experiences there. But yeah, it was weird becoming a teacher and, and again, like being known, like, like my students knowing my kids' names, mm-hmm. my students knowing my dog's names, like mm-hmm. we're, we're gearing up what in five months we'll, we'll be in Italy, uh, with that, uh, junior into the senior year class. And again, you just get to know each other yeah. after, you know, days walking a whole lot of miles and seeing a lot of beautiful things. And, and in one sense, at the end of the day, being ready to just eat and not see any more beautiful things, at least for a little while. So that that was a big adjustment like I remember when I first got promoted to be a headmaster I remember this is so dumb but I remember thinking like am I allowed to play dodgeball with the kids anymore because because they'll think like that's like you're supposed to be serious right Mm -hmm. you're supposed to like be you know whatever you know got to be Mr. Professional or something and I don't know that for some reason that in my mind then I was like no I'm I'm gonna choose not that like I'm gonna choose to play games and be dumb and anyway that that bit mm-hmm. in David where Mikal is his wife is judging him for like oh the king's made a fine spectacle of himself today you know because he's dancing before the ark and David responds you know and I I will be more undignified and I love like there's something just beautiful about that that moment I'm just like. Now I'm going to choose to be more undignified when it comes to, so to speak, like getting to know students and like, yeah, y'all come over, we'll eat some pizza. Uh, my wife, you know, knows uh, the kids in this class, loves the kids in Catherine's class. And again, just over many, many years have gotten to know each other. So yeah, it's been special. Get to teach government and econ next year. So, Speaking of teach, Mr. Samani wanted to know... <laughs> Uh, okay. Mr. Uh, wait, let me ask the question. Oh, okay, sorry, go ahead. He wants to know the worst Greek teacher you've ever had. No, that's not. He wanted to know the best Greek teacher you've ever had. Yeah, so Mr. Samani is my Greek teacher this year. This is my first year taking Greek after eight <laughs> years of Latin. And it's been good. The alphabet, the alphabet was the most difficult part at first, reading differently. But it's been really cool. That was another thing. I was scared of Latin and Greek because I thought... People around me speak Spanish and French, and I want to interact with my neighbors and speak with them. And I can't do that with Latin and Greek because no one speaks Latin currently, and New Testament Greek is not the common Greek language. And so I have loved learning them because it's taught me to slow down, especially with Greek this year. I can't just Mm -hmm. read it. Mm -hmm. I have to make the sounds of every letter and look at it and write it out, and it takes a while, but that's been good. And getting to read the Bible in a different language has been so cool and I've noticed things I would never notice in English, especially common verses that I hear all the time and that I've learned since I was a kid. I can look at it and say, oh, that pronoun's in this case and that means something different now because Mm -hmm. I can read it in a different language. So also if you're planning to study more languages, Latin's a really good base for that. Nice. So the Christian component, because you mentioned the Bible, um, I'm just wondering like, had you gone to public high school? Obviously that's not you know a christian perspective necessarily Mm -hmm. um you might have a christian teacher but here just like attending school with people you know claim christ and teachers you know claim christ going to chapel all those things like what would you say how has that shaped you it shaped me in a really good way um to have a common basis of faith and then it class doesn't feel preachy Mm. It's more, Miss Seelbeck, our literature teacher, was talking to us how working is worshiping. 
and how we were talking about the idea of like sitting down and having your morning devotion, but also driving to school and your coffee spilling in your lap, how that's another act of worship. And that's kind of what class feels like is we're going through the steps of we're learning, but this is mm-hmm. an act of worship and we all know why we're learning this. And that's been really special. And then to have conversations and write reflection papers on what it means to be a Christian and in a school and in America and how we write is affecting how we're a Christian mm-hmm. has been special. So that sounds like cheesy. Like I, I'm i saying this, so like I, I didn't grow up with a Christian education. Sure. So I, I, I didn't... I didn't know what that meant. Like it, 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 like you said, it sounds preachy or it yeah. sounds like Sunday schooly kind of thing. Like I don't know, it's just you know how to be a Christian. Like what help help people like me maybe mm-hmm. who I, I didn't grow up this way. Like what what does that look like? Or, or maybe you know if we have in our minds some kind of an idea of like oh at a Christian school quote unquote everyone's a Christian and everyone knows the right thing to do or again says that how. How do your teachers, whether a specific assignment or whatever, how do they get get outside or stay outside of this? Like, here's the correct answer. The correct answer is Jesus or faith or, you know, whatever, love or something mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of move to a place that maybe affects you or impacts you deeper than just like a Sunday school mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of class. I think history and literature is where that starts to really show up is we have a text that's not Christian or we have a SCOTUS case that isn't Christian. And we get to look at it, and it's kind of an open discussion to say, okay, what would you do if you were in this situation? And it's not like, what would Jesus do in this situation? Which isn't a wrong question to ask, but it's not, okay, pull a Bible verse and tell me this. But it's kind of backing up and saying, throughout everything we do, we can see Christ in it, and we don't have to put a Bible verse there to know that. Hmm. So, that's been, if that makes sense, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, so, so... Okay, so I'm just playing devil's advocate. Well, hey, if you don't put a Bible verse there, how do you know it's true? Or how do you, you know, how do you know that whatever that is the right thing to do or something like that? That's a really good question. I think discussion and we have differing opinions and yet we all have the same idea of a Christian faith and getting to just entertain different ideas and see what it would look like in different communities and in different cultures and how a different decision would affect this or what a different book would look like and just saying like there's so many different options and it doesn't mean you to read this one book is the only way to be Christian and to read to only read Christian books and to only have Christian teachers is the only way you can do a certain thing but it's kind of the idea of like common grace that it's everywhere and that God is present through everything, and we get just education itself is a really beautiful way to see that. Okay, so let's apply that to like a specific book. (laughs) Go all the way back to freshman year. Um, So freshman year, a particular book that like stands out to you. So the Odyssey, we spent the most time in it. Okay, the Odyssey. So it's like about half of our year, freshman year, 24 uh, class sessions over 12 weeks. So what, what what is common grace? What does truth look like? Homer, super pagan, right? It's written like in honor of Athena. This is not a Christian <laughs> book, you know. So where, where what what did Homer teach you, or what does Homer teach us about? I don't know what is good or what mm-hmm. is right, what is just, what is beautiful. I think the two things I remember from the Odyssey is the desire to go home, and how you'll fight to go home. Um, the idea of going to heaven and working hard to not necessarily works gets you to heaven, but you have the desire to go home. 
And then the other thing is hospitality and that a God can show up on your doorstep dressed as a person. And if you were to turn away that God, to turn away that person, you're turning away a God. And the idea that my neighbor and every person I interact with is created in the image of God. And so hospitality, I should treat them with hospitality and I'm treating them as I would treat Jesus. And so I didn't have to pull a Bible verse for those. I just read Homer and I was like, this is truth. And I can see it through Christian eyes, but I'm reading a pagan person. Because mm-hmm. true things are true. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So why don't you just like, I don't know, why don't you just have a lecture and you just give a lecture to somebody and you just say, hey, look, hospitality, it's a good thing. Or go home or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. So, so why... Because one of the things that I've wrestled with, honestly, as a, as a teacher, is kind of this question of, um, I think I think a lot of times we think of education almost as, as like a lecture. Mm-hmm. Can you just teach my kid true things? Um, I've had parents over years say things like, you know, just convince my child blank, you know, whatever it <laughs> yeah. is, right? Like just convince them <laughs> no that pressure. playing basketball is a good thing or convince them that Latin's a good thing or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, so how does education, or again, coming to like love and appreciate, like Homer, for example, um, how does time relate to that versus just like mm-hmm. a 50-minute lecture on eight things you should know from the Odyssey? Yeah. We, literature has been, this year, we focused on poetry and reading a poem and then sitting with it. Not sit, We have a week for each poem and we present on mm-hmm. it the next class, period. We don't say anything, okay, this is where Jesus is, this is what it means, this is analysis, and we're done. We just read it, and then we sit with it for a week. And I think we're also reading a book called The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. And he it's about a war story in Vietnam. But his main thing he talks about is how to tell a story, and that by creating a fictional story, it can be more true than facts ever will. And so we keep discussing, was, did this really happen? Because if it didn't, then it changes how I read it. And Ms. Silvek said, it doesn't matter if it happened because it's getting up to the truth in your heart through a story that might have never happened. And sitting with it and just saying, this is a story, but there's still truth in it. And I think that's been not having to immediately be like, all right, Jesus, and then put a pen on it and we're done. In eighth grade, what do you- do you think what you just said would have made sense to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So why why not? Like what what is different about high school you versus, you know, 13, 14, you know, year old middle school you? That's a really good question. Um, I couldn't p- say exactly what it is. I mean, I obviously was a teenager through COVID, but I don't think I mean, that affected me some, but I don't think that is the main reason. Um, I don't don't have an answer for that, and I think maybe by senior year. I can give you (laughs) a pretty answer with a bow on top, but... Probably not. Probably about 25 (laughs) or 30. Uh, I mean... Yeah. (laughs) I think that it says in the Psalms that uh, mercy, like you could see mercy behind you. That's Mm -hmm. what mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Goodness and mercy. And I think sometimes... You don't know good things or merciful things until they're behind you. Yeah. And even then, it's going to be some years until you can look and be like, oh, that was good and that was merciful of God. Um, yeah, and time. Like, time matters and it change. Like, it w- you won't just change because time passes, but if you're under the Lord's care and the Holy Spirit is in you, 
I should hope that, yeah, you will mm-hmm. change as time passes. How much time? I don't know. And, like, going th- def- I think going through some things, um, COVID, like you said, yeah, I think that was an opportunity for a lot of, a lot of young people to grow. And um, it was also an opportunity for a lot of young people to get really anxious and afraid mm-hmm. and their fear to grow. Yeah. Um, and I think probably the environment you were in when it occurred is, is going to have a lot to do with your response to mm-hmm. something like that. So, yeah. All right. Anything else, Catherine? Anything else on your mind that you want to share? So. Okay. Final question. Yeah. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Final question. Well, she did just <laughs> mention what she's what she's. Oh, reading, I have another so. one. Oh yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, go please, please, please. Yeah. yeah so we're, I'm supposed to share like something I've been reading. Yes. Or, okay. or listening to or watching. Okay. Yeah. I have a book. So, yeah. thinking about graduating this year, my word of the year I chose was bittersweet, and so I found a book on our shelf titled Bittersweet. Oh. It's by nice. Susan Cain. She wrote a book called Quiet about introverts. A couple years ago, which I tried to read and didn't like. So I really liked <laughs> Bittersweet, and the subtitle, I guess, was How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole. She's not a Christian author, but she kind of looks at all different religions and how the idea of, like, wanting to go home mm-hmm. and how sorrow and longing affect that. And it was so good. And I it took a different turn than I was expecting for the word bittersweet, but I really liked reading that before senior year and thinking about how I can apply the word bittersweet to senior year. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Awesome. Nora, are you reading, watching, uh, listening to anything? Let's say reading. I'm actually reading the book that your mom uh, suggested when she was on the podcast, which was Rocket Boys, uh, Homer Hickam. It's a true story of a guy who grew up in coal mines in uh, Coalwood, I think it's West Virginia, and he ended up being a, an engineer scientist for NASA. It's really interesting. So, yeah. Awesome. He had an interesting relationship with his dad who was like the manager of the mines, and there's some hard things there. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, sounds like a story of a guy who's going to get out of a tough place and go and do really cool things that no one thinks he can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good Appalachia story. Oh, man, I love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love Appalachia. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's kind of it's bittersweet, like. right? I mean, I mean, honestly, right? Like, there's a my, – my family, you know, my grandfather was a – did timber and um, up in Appalachia and Pennsylvania, but – Anyway, it's hard. There's some there's hard stuff there mm-hmm. for sure, but some lovely stuff. I'm listening to a lot of podcasts on dog training right now. We got a oh Boykin Spaniel for Christmas, <laughs> and uh, tell so, them what you named the dog. Oh, Homer, of course. Homer <laughs> is the <laughs> dog's name. So we had a our dog. Our first dog we had was Gimli, named after the Lord of the Rings character Gimli, and now we have Homer. So he's. Uh, last night, actually, true story, he pooped in my bag, uh, my work bag, <laughs> and uh, that's what I got woke Did up. Did I see today. you with it today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Clorox wipes. It's waterproof. It's a waterproof messenger oh bag. Gracious. It's made it. Are through. you the main trainer? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're not we're not farming this one out. So it's been it's been fun. One of the neat things I'll just share that uh, it, I think the podcast name is like Do It Yourself Gun Dog or Gun Dog Do It Yourself or whatever it is. <laughs> but it's just like two guys from Tennessee talking about training dogs. Nice. And one of the really beautiful things. It's such a great teachers podcast. I'll, I'll say is that it just talks about keeping things simple. And like breaking it down, you know, and so they're like from a basketball coaching perspective or a teaching perspective, kind of like, do you have absolute clarity? And again, it sounds like they're talking about teaching humans and education, but I promise they're just talking about gun dogs and bird dogs. But like, do you have in mind the goal you want? And can you break that down, you know, the 30 steps, so to speak, to get to that? So, so for example, 
you know, they said like, hey, the heart of having a bird dog is that you want it to go, you want it to come back, and you want it to stay. It's like, that's kind of it. Like, if you can train a dog to go out and get the thing, like a bird that you shot down, to bring that back to you, and to stay by your side, like, until you send it out again, that's it. Hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, that's super simple. But then one of the things that they said that I was talking to Levi, our oldest, about yesterday was they said, you know, don't move on to the next command, the next thing, until you have 100% compliance on the first thing. And again, I'm just listening to that and just so humbling. I'm like, man, I just, I wanted to train Homer in like 20 things at once instead of like, no, let's get one thing down. Let's like get him awesome on this one thing. And so just just humbling, beautiful. Again, uh, to Catherine's point, like beautiful analogy for, for our souls. These guys are just talking about training dogs. And I see it in my own soul of like, I want to do 700 things. And it's like, no, no, no. Do this one thing well. <laughs> do one thing well, man. One thing is needful. And anyway, so been listening to those guys. I enjoy them. And uh, it's, it's uh, as you can tell, it's been a good convicting soul searching process of just training up this little cute little puppy so that's what we're up to all right i think that's it for us until next time peregrines live well